Hi, I'm Mandy Nolan, and I'm launching a brand new social media platform for mums who aren't good looking. Mums with shitty lives that nobody wants. Welcome to Mumstagram. It's not for influencers, it's for under the influencers. Women who drink to kill the pain of their unimaginable life. That's Mandy Nolan, and she's not a mom influencer. She's a comedian who lives in Byron Bay, Australia. Her life on Instagram, in case you're wondering, is messy bedrooms, messy top knots, and messy eye makeup. Back in March, she posted a picture of herself totally naked and covered in rolls of toilet paper. During the height of the pandemic, I actually did find that very aspirational. Mandy looks like someone I want to drink tequila with at 10 a.m. That is my highest compliment. If you follow the mom influencer world, you've probably already been to Byron Bay. Virtually, at least. In the past couple of years, Mandy's hometown has become ground zero for Australia's mom-influencing industrial complex. Sort of like Utah here in America. That is very funny to me, because when I studied abroad in Australia two decades ago, Byron Bay is where we drove to buy cheap weed. I called Mandy to get her take on the mom-influencers who've been taking over her town. So I wanted to write something which really spoke to women's experience and what what most people's every day is like because these pictures are so curated. You know, a lot of mums do feel that they're not actually meeting those kind of goals. They're not that beautiful mum and the privileged love and they're always incredibly privileged. (laughs) I was on the beach with my dog. It was so funny. We're walking and this woman doing yoga, she was upside down and it was so, he just went up and he weed on her like he lifted his leg. (laughs) Your dog keyed on someone doing yoga? Yeah, he's getting really old and a bit demented. And she was doing like an upside down headstand. So maybe she looked like a tree to him. So he just went up and lifted the leg and walked off. And I went, oh my God, that's so embarrassing, but kind of funny. Even my dog can't stand them. Mandy Nolan did her bit about shitty moms in response to a Vanity Fair article that came out in July of 2019. It profiled a crew of Instagram-savvy moms in Byron Bay. One of them happened to be a woman that I've followed for a while, Courtney Adamo. She's one of those influencers that you weirdly feel like you're friends with, even though you've never met them in real life. I feel like a lot of us have someone like this in our Instagram feed. If I were to become a successful influencer, I'd want my life to look like hers. She's gotten a lot of attention for it. And with that, because she's a woman who puts her life on the internet, come some haters. When Vanity Fair profiled her in 2019, they led with one snarky question about Courtney's life. From the looks of Instagram, Courtney Adamo and the surfing mamas of Byron Bay are living the dream. Can it be real? I brought this up with Mandy Nolan, and her response was, no, it's not real. It's not my life, and it's not the life of any women that I know in Byron Bay. Especially not any moms. Moms with snotty, dirty kids who don't frolic on the beach all day. Mandy said there's nothing about these influencers' lives that is at all authentic. Which leads me to ask, what the hell does it mean to be an authentic woman anyway? an authentic mother. 
Where does real life authenticity end and Instagram authenticity begin? I'm Joe Piazza, and you're under the influence. This is episode four, An Authentic Woman. Just last week, I was rejected from the influencer platform Reward Style. Unfortunately, your request to become a member of Reward Style was not accepted at this time. I still feel kind of shitty about that, and I called Glennis to talk about it. I thought about asking Reward Style directly why they rejected me, like the same way that I once called up an ex-boyfriend and was like, why don't you love me? I'm sort of amazed that you didn't ask them the reasons you were rejected, because that's such a reporter question. Like, I want to know, when they went to your social media feeds, what did they see that told them you were not right? for reward style. What what was the Harvard interview where they were like, mm, not, not for us. Like, I'm so curious. I am too. I called them. I called the CEO. I called Amber back. And then I just didn't ask. I chickened out. I asked, what were you looking for? It was like this roundabout way. Like all she would say is they want authentic people. Today, it's actually really all about authenticity and off-the-cuff looking content um, that feels very, very relatable. The stuff that doesn't feel like a stage, that doesn't feel like it's a model, that doesn't feel like a caption that's like someone who lives in, in a totally fake world. I don't buy it. Why? Because the influencers that I see doing the best, the ones that are the most successful, seem to have what looks like a perfect life, and that is impossible because no one has a perfect life. There was this Vanity Fair article about a year ago. It was about mom influencers in Byron Bay, Australia. The author was A-plus snarky, like gawker-level snarky about the mom influencers. And a big part of her beef was that these women weren't, quote, authentic enough. And one of the poll quotes was, Authenticity is a big part of what Adamo is selling, as is the idea that the life she lives is achievable. Did you think they were authentic? No, but I don't know if it matters. I think the word authenticity is kind of bullshit. So the article opens up by introducing a Courtney Adamo. And to start, it describes her kitchen in excruciating detail. With its clapboard cupboards, wooden stools, bulk dry goods and mason jars, Blanc marble countertops, Smeg refrigerator, $2,870, Lacanche oven and stove, which she says is the range cooker of her dreams, and at about $10,000, a splurge. The kitchen is like a scene out of Little House on the Trust Fund Prairie. The first time I read it, and again now, I went to Instagram to look at this kitchen. Fuck. That's a really nice kitchen. I covet a Smeg fridge, by the way. I want to say I don't think it's because of Instagram, but I've never seen one in real life. And Nick thinks I'm crazy. Do you think that we should get a Smeg fridge? No. Why? Because it's stupid. Why is it stupid? Because it's like a thousand extra dollars just for the logo. According to the article, Courtney Adamo's group of friends are a cross-tagging, cross-promoting, mutually amplifying, audience-sharing group of friends 
living, loving, working, and posting aspirational lifestyle content in a highly Instagrammable paradise. They live in old-fashioned houses and give their carefully unstyled children names that sound dreamed up for a goop collaboration with Lemony Snicket. This writer is good. She's bitchy, but she's good. They're married to supportive, handsome, and scruffy men of purpose. It sounds like Nick. They make their own hours and dinners and soap. They have their own brands. They are their own brands. So is this Courtney Adama woman? If I was a mom, just generally on Instagram, is she someone I would know about? Yeah, she's kind of a celebrity. On the scale of mom influencers, where does she land? What strata does she occupy? I love that you said strata because there are strata. There are levels of mom influencers. She is a mid-tier family influencer. Well, I don't, what does that mean? That means that she's got a little over 250,000 Instagram followers. But from those 250,000 followers, she's built a pretty big business and one where she can support her family of five children. She's interesting to me because she's been mom influencing since the beginning of mom influencing around 2011 when she launched the mom blog, Baby Chino. She is also a former journalist. Ah, so she has established a bit of a path that perhaps you could walk down. Back in the 2000s, Courtney and her husband, Michael, were both working these 80-hour weeks and scrambling to see each other and their kids. They were on the professional treadmill set to, like, a gazillion. Mm -hmm. Also like you. Also like me. And a few years ago, they left it. They left the rat race, sold all their stuff, and traveled around the world with their kids. They documented it on social media, which built up Courtney's brand. And then they moved right outside of Byron Bay, Australia. And now Courtney makes her living through sponsored Instagram posts and online classes where she teaches other women to build lifestyle brands. When the story was published on Vanity Fair, the reaction was swift and brutal and pretty shitty. There was an opinion piece in the London Guardian. The headline screamed, There's no study or test in the world that can tell you what happens to your soul when you turn yourself into a brand. Brand. I kept thinking about this Vanity Fair article and the reaction to it. I felt real bad for Courtney Adamo and her friends, even as I envied their Instagram perfect lives and wondered if it was all bullshit. What I find interesting as well is that that criticism is coming from other women. You know, it's not men who are criticizing those choices. It's often women being critical of other women, which I find really sad. That's Courtney Adamo. I followed her for so long that I kind of felt like I was talking to a celebrity. We should be empowering each other to be able to make those choices. If you're able to be successful in your career based on those choices and you're a good person and you're happy, good on you. We talked over Skype about a year okay. ago. Wait, one second. It wasn't too long after the wildfires in Australia yeah, had started to burn out. Everyone yes. was relieved that it was finally raining in Byron yeah. Bay. <laughs> it's not always perfect in paradise. We're just having this crazy rainy weather right now. And we're in our little studio that has a tin roof, so... Courtney was pretty blindsided by that Vanity Fair article. She originally thought the piece was going to be about creatives women entrepreneurs living in Byron Bay. When she got in touch with me, I thought, that's a wonderful 
way to portray what is really a great amazing community here of women who are building brands and building successful companies and still raising their children and we're all really supportive of each other doing that. Why should it be a negative thing that I landed here into a community of micro-influencers? Why is that a bad thing? I don't know. I, I don't understand. I pretty quickly got to the point and asked Courtney about that quote about authenticity. Authenticity is a big part of what Adamo is selling, as is the idea that the life she lives is achievable. You, you can't be fully authentic in terms of saying everything when you know that there are that many strangers following you. But I do think that what I am putting up there is authentic. I really had a hard time with that criticism because I'm not putting up anything that's not real. You know, you're not seeing everything and you're not seeing the ugly and my toddler throwing a temper tantrum because he doesn't want to eat his dinner or because his favorite shirt's in the washing machine and he wants it out now. At those moments, I don't feel the need to get my phone out and take photos and capture it and share it. But we do that even in real life. None of us are going around with the ugly bits out. You know, if that was a group of men they were featuring, every single person would be slapping them on the back, being like, yeah, mate, like, you can have your kids and you can go surfing and you're, you know, really successful in your career, like, good on you, you know? And why is it that when women try to do that, we are put down? Why? I don't understand it. I just want them to see this authentic version of our life. Authenticity. That word is thrown around an awful lot inside the influencer industrial complex. Brands want influencers who seem authentic, who seem real, but not too real, not scary real, not drink two bottles of wine, yell at your husband and pass out with your boots on real. And that's the question that we asked earlier. What the hell is an authentic mother, an authentic woman? Authenticity is not something that we ask of men, not male politicians, certainly not our male celebrities. No one looks at George Clooney shilling for Casamigos with Randy Gerber and asks, is he authentic? Does he mean it? We live in this fucked up world where women who put themselves in the public eye have to be authentic, even though no one knows what that means. And when they fall short of a definition that no one has clearly defined, we rip them to shreds. I've done this. You've probably done it too. When I was a reporter, I ripped female celebrities to shreds on a daily basis. I owe an apology to a long list of famous women. I'm sorry, Brittany. I'm sorry, Jennifer Aniston. I'm not sorry, Kim Kardashian. I'm just not. There's a lot more people I do have to apologize to, and I'm going to do those during a quick break. Yeah, so authenticity means everything, and it also means nothing. Once again, I called up Emily Hunt from the University of Pennsylvania to help me crack this influencer code. Authenticity has become sort of this ideal. 
If you look into the history of authenticity, (laughs) it's actually really interesting because it originally had a meaning that was related to politics and ethics. And so the idea was that the better you understood yourself and the more, you know, authentic you were to yourself, the better you could understand others and the better citizen you could be. When Emily brought up politics, I remembered this story that I wrote about Hillary Clinton's scrunchie. I was a young reporter for the New York Daily News, and for a while during the 2008 presidential campaign, I was on the Hillary hair beat. That was a thing. Another reporter was on the Hillary pantsuit beat, but I was on hair. So one day Hillary wore a scrunchie, and the world lost their fucking minds. Even though I feel like this was the most authentic thing that Hillary Clinton had ever done. So many of us were guilty for mocking Hillary. I remember the columnist Peggy Noonan writing about this. She said Obama could get out of bed, have a five-minute shower, and walk out the door and just go and start his day. But Hillary, before any public appearance, had to put in two and a half hours of hair and makeup just so she could walk out the front door and have people not make comments about her appearance. And that was just so that she didn't get mocked. People still went after her way more than they did the male candidates for not being real enough, for not being likable enough. He's very likable. I, I, I agree with that. I don't think I'm that bad. Um, uh, you're likable no. enough. Thank Hillary you so much. <laughs> the political talking heads were relentless in criticizing Hillary's authenticity. You know, you talk about authenticity. I always have called Bill Clinton sort of an authentic phony. And Hillary, if you look at it just as theater, is a phony phony. We expect our women politicians and celebrities to be authentic and real, but also perfect and well-coiffed with crest white stripped teeth. When people say, I'm not authentic, what you see is what you get. And now that everyone is kind of a micro-celebrity, everyone's a public figure because we all put our lives on the internet, we expect that from all women including Instagram influencers. At the end of the day, all of us are curating our lives, just like Courtney said. And not just on Instagram and social media, but when we talk to our friends or our mom, I don't tell anyone when I've had a raging fight with Nick or how my toddler won't eat a goddamn thing except white cheddar cheese or how every night I can't fall asleep without taking a pill because I'm terrified about my future. But we need to talk about what this distortion of authenticity and reality is actually doing to us. I don't see my reality reflected back to me on Instagram. I mostly see perfection. Seeing perfection all the time is potentially dangerous for my mental health. For all our mental health. I actually called an expert up to talk about this. A psychologist named Dr. David Lewis. He is British and charming and just a Adorable and lovely. You want to have a cup of tea with him as much as I want to have tequila with Mandy Nolan at 10 in the morning. Yep, sure. Go ahead. You ask your first question. I'll try and bat it back. I was so interested in what you said about Instagram and these pictures creating a dysmorphic disorder. This idea that we're looking at pictures of what our life, quote unquote, should look like, or I'm looking at these pictures of what my life should look like. And especially as a mom, I feel like this is even more dangerous because I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm looking at these pictures of beautiful houses and beautiful women. They're so fucking (laughs) clean, David. And then I look around my house and I'm literally covered in shit over here. (laughs) I know the feeling exactly. And I think it puts a lot of people, particularly young people who are more 
perhaps impressionable, have less experience of the world, on what is called the hedonistic treadmill. And when you're on the hedonistic treadmill, you're constantly working away just to keep up with the Joneses, as it were, as we say in England, trying to be as good as or better than the person you see on your screen or in your magazine. So this may involve uh, cosmetic surgery, which is usually on the increase. It may involve Botox. It may involve a whole range of changes, physical changes to the body to try and get it closer and closer to that perfect model which you see. This explains my recent Botox appointments and why I painted my entire house white. All the fillers, all the Benjamin Moore. And the same when you look at people's homes. They say, gosh, I wish my home looked like that. It's a bit of a mess. I'm a bit ashamed of it. So why can't my house be exactly the same as that house? And so I think, again, we're on a kind of a consumer treadmill, always to replace anything which is not seen as particularly trendy at that particular moment. You know, companies will go out of their way to persuade social influences to influence people in favor of their product or their service or whatever they're trying to sell. Yes, yes, yes to this part. We cannot forget the brands who are paying the influencers to make their lives look like an ad, to make their lives look perfect. And the only way to defend yourself against that is to step back, think about what you're being told, think about what you're seeing, and decide, is this adding to the sum total of my happiness? If it is, go with it. If it's not, you know, edit it out of your life. We should all be good editors in our lives and know what is good and what is bad and what should be junked and what should be preserved. That's the perfect kicker, David. Oh, good. I'm so pleased. I've been scrolling Instagram for so long that I don't know what's real anymore, what's authentic. But when I step back and I think about what I want authenticity to mean, I think about someone who shows me messy shit. And I recently came across a woman who I think might be the most authentic influencer on Instagram. When we come back from the break, you're going to meet her. So Courtney Adamo told me that what she chooses to show on Instagram is her real life, is her version of authenticity. It's just the nice bits of her real life. And I also never post about the real nasty, messy parts of my life. No one on Instagram knows about my postpartum hemorrhoids. And you don't want to, do you? But I recently did come across a woman on Instagram who shows her mess. Her name's Bethany Garcia, and she runs the Instagram account at The Garcia Diaries. I found her when I was trapped in one of my death spirals of Instagram videos, and I saw her giving birth. The first time I saw you was walking through your house in labor, and I think someone is behind you holding something underneath you. Yeah, um, my doula. <laughs> your doula, yes. Your doula is following you around, holding, holding. Well, I think it's like a pad. Holding a pad of my pad. amniotic fluid. Yes. 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 Your doula is following you and holding your am, trying to hold a pad under the amniotic fluid. So that that is literally the first picture I ever saw of your body. That is hilarious. <laughs> and I saw that, and I was like, I've got to talk to this girl. <laughs> <laughs> That is the realest depiction I've ever seen 
of childbirth. I've never, I've, I've never, because I've never seen anyone else go through it besides me. Yeah. And I think on this one page, it has like a million views. So not even on my page, but a page that took the video and credited me. And I'm like, everyone has seen my ass. It's very different. <laughs> like, It's terrifying to actually think about. Everyone has seen your ass, but everyone has also seen <laughs> Kim Kardashian's ass. And we saw your ass <laughs> in a way that really improved a lot of our lives. Bethany was a teen mom. Her family was on food stamps when she started blogging and Instagramming about motherhood. We were 18 when we got married and got pregnant. And literally on food stamps and government assistance and government insurance and could barely pay our $500 a month rent. Like we struggled so hard the first few years of our marriage. And I started researching. I started joining networks. I started reaching out to companies asking if they'd be willing to pay me for this post that I was planning on doing. Um, And it kind of just started growing slowly from there. And I think in 2016, I probably made like $200. And in the beginning, she fell into the trap of trying to make everything look perfect, even though her actual life was far from perfect. I was kind of still in the whole Instagram aesthetic of everything needs to be white blankets and white walls and everything needs to be kind of perfect. And I was doing things like telling my husband, oh, we need to buy these white bed sheets so that it'll look better on Instagram. Or, oh, we need to make sure we only take pictures in this part of the house because this is the only part that looks good on Instagram. And it was a few years of that before I really was like, okay, this is not me. And it gets draining to be so curated and try to be someone that you're not online. And that's kind of where I really changed my niche to be just more real, raw, authentic. The way I was raised is that you kind of hide that stuff and you make your life seem as awesome as possible all the time to the outsiders looking in. And I kind of realized that as I was sharing this real and raw stuff, I was actually building a community of people that trusted me and were interested in our lives. And it wasn't like pushing people away, it was actually drawing them in. And I really got messages from moms saying, oh my gosh, see, this is the kind of content I wish I would have seen before becoming a mom. In 2017, Bethany had a miscarriage. Instead of keeping it to herself, she decided to share it with her entire audience. This was her way of staying real and being authentic. And it was a big deal. We've more recently seen celebrities like Chrissy Teigen and Meghan Markle publicly share their miscarriage struggles. But four years ago, it wasn't that common which was another really big moment for me sharing authentically what I was going through at that point instead of hiding it and pretending like it never happened. And that was another huge growth moment completely on accident. And then right after that, I got pregnant with my fourth baby, which was once again, another growth moment. Like all of these things that are happening in my life, I'm just sharing my thoughts and emotions rawly as it's happening. and all of these things were making my online presence grow, which was so crazy to me too, just like by sharing what we're going through as a family. But you never know what other people are going through that they can relate to it. And by sharing all of this raw reality, Bethany's following grew and grew. I was really considering my blog a business, albeit a small business, um, that my husband was still working full-time and we needed both incomes to be able to make ends meet. And in 2019, um, we started talking about him quitting his job because I was making three times as much as he was. And 
we did that in May of 2019. So for over a year now, my blog has been our sole income. Wow. I mean, it's, it's congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and I'm always, I mean, it's so insanely impressive that, and so you're able to do this at the same time while you have four kids under the age of four. Yeah. And now five. <laughs> and now five. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, we're done. Are you done? Yeah, I'm so done. And so can you be picky now? Can you be like, I don't want, I don't want to work with this kind of brand. I don't want to work with this oh, kind of brand. Oh, yes. And how, and how do you decide so, what kinds of brands you want to feature? What feels real to you? So I had a brand reach out last year that wanted to pay me $80,000 for a weight loss program. And $80,000 was very appealing to me. Trust me. I'm like, I wouldn't have to work for the rest of the year. Um, but there's was no way I was ever going to recommend a weight loss program to my following because I've done body acceptance posts for how many years and I've talked about how like weight loss is hurtful to my mental health. If I had posted that, my audience wouldn't trust me anymore. And so that wasn't worth it to me. That right there, that felt like authenticity to me. Bethany's story is inspiring. From food stamps to being the sole breadwinner in her family, all by posting the real messy parts of her life. It's literally the most empowering thing ever that my business that I've built with my own two hands from the ground up, I mean, we were at a place, like I said, where we couldn't pay rent and we were on food stamps and government assistance. And now to be in this place where we are, we're I'm so grateful and we're so blessed, but I also do know that it's because of the work that I've done and how hard I've worked. And that's so empowering for me as a human being, as a wife, as a mom, to be able to do that for my family. Between Bethany and Courtney, we've seen two wild extremes of what authenticity is on Instagram. And I like both of them in completely different ways. When people find out that I'm doing this podcast, either in real life or on Instagram, they ask me whether or not I think the women I've interviewed are full of shit. I don't. I think most of them are curating their lives because this is their work and their brand. But it's not bullshit. It's branding. And it's a way to make a living. The concept of authenticity and the standard we hold women to, that is bullshit. So now I need to decide what I want to share if I'm going to be an influencer, if I'm still doing this. And this is the paradox that we've learned about in this episode. Audiences do like a beautiful picture. Even when Bethany talks about messy things, she's still gorgeous. My question that I have to answer for myself is how can I make my Instagram feed empowering for other mothers without making them feel terrible about themselves? I just finally apologized to Britney Spears. <sighs> Once again, I called Glynis to talk about it. You sent me the other day a, an out, a video outtake from the photo shoot of everyone crying, including Nick, which I couldn't get enough of, which is true. I watched it like 10 times. <laughs> My favorite part is when the kids are crying and then Nick starts fake crying along with them. <laughs> and both of them stop crying immediately and turn and look at him to see what's going on. And then they both start crying again. And I thought that their reactions and Nick doing that was so charming. When you post stuff of the kids misbehaving or crying like that or like of the kids screaming, which I don't think you do it very often, 
do you notice an uptick in engagement? But people love a beautiful picture of B and Charlie. Those get the highest engagement. Next highest engagement is when I talk about that life is hard, because I think people do like to commiserate. So yeah, people like it when I post things that are a little bit more real, but too real seems to be off-putting. I think they want the picture to be beautiful and the caption to feel honest. I think the people I enjoy the most on Instagram are the ones who are clearly enjoying themselves. What I want to know, Joe, is what is the version of your life that you want to see in the world reflected back to you? I think it goes back to what I do as a journalist. Everything that I've ever written, I want people to feel something, to actually have an emotion. If I were to go back, do you know what the one article I still get emailed like two or three times a week is? <laughs> do you want me to guess? Because I'm in my head, I'm like, is it I bought myself an engagement ring? It's I bought myself an engagement ring. Yes, because you know why? You are making people feel better about that something that there's a lot of shame attached to in many ways. And I wrote that story for Elle when I was 34 years old and I was lonely as fuck and I thought I was never going to get married. I get emails about it constantly. I think it's because I was real and honest and authentic and I wasn't trying too hard. I was just saying I'm lonely and I did this to make myself feel better and maybe some other women out there feel the same way. If I'm going to be an influencer, if I'm going to do this, I want it to be an extension of what I do as a journalist. It's another way to tell stories. It's another way to reach people. But to tell those stories and to reach people, to grow an audience, you have to play the game a little bit. You have to do all of the things and put in all of the work to get the audience, to be able to tell the stories that I want to tell. And now I guess I have to figure out how to go out there and do the work. Right. And I also think, as you're saying that, the truth is you both want to tell the truth about your struggles, but you do want to have a nice looking life. And so I think the trick is going to be that you are transparent about the idyllic life that you might be photographing in terms of this is the life I'd like to be leading. So I'm taking pictures of it. If I build it, maybe it will come. Oh my gosh, that's the title of the next episode. If you build it, they will come. That's it. That's, I think we've nailed it. We've solved everyone's problem. Go forth and influence. Now I've got to go out there and do the work. Next week, I'm jumping off the high dive and I am going to start making influencer content. Authentic influencer content. And surprise, surprise, it's way harder than it looks. Under the Influence is reported and hosted by me, Joe Piazza. Our story editor is Glynis McNichol. Emily Marinoff is our producer, and we've had production assistance from Mary Dew. Sound design by Emily Marinoff and Jessica Kreinchich. Our theme and additional music was composed by Jessica Kreinchich. Mixing done by Jackie Huntington. Additional research, as usual, was conducted by Jocelyn Sears. Julian Weller is our consulting producer. Manga Shatikador is our executive producer. Thank you, thank you to Michelle Lands and Jasmine Bachi for narrating the Vandy Fair and London Guardian articles.